Here is Purple with the third or fourth most mediocre Husky football podcast on the internet. I'm Andrew Berg, and joining me this joyous week is Gaby Lucas. Gaby, welcome back. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. I feel like it's probably a letdown for me to be back for like people listening to this because we're we're like, uh, yeah, I don't need to elaborate on that. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's good. it, there's a lot of colors in the all we hear is purple rainbow even though it makes it sound like there's only one by the name um there's only yeah. one color in the rainbow no Just we have a lot of we of have purple. different um styles uh, it was fun last week we talked to uh aaron about recruiting and coach has been on for a couple weeks and he gives us more x's and o's breakdown and then um we get to occasionally indulge in nonsense not to say that uh you don't have a, a interesting takes on player skills and things like that but uh, we have fun. We have no, fun. No, I'm I'm just nonsense. I'm All right. Not, uh, yeah. But this is a good week for it because it was, I don't know, the biggest win since what? Can you think of a, a I would, week where you felt more excited about a Husky win than this? More? No, but I would say it's the biggest win since last year's win over Oregon. Oh, that's fair. I think it was a huge win. Fair. Yeah. yeah, that was on the road. It was the, the first DeBoer win and it was still like very much on the upswing. The feelings. Um, oh, go on. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say, like a lot of the same greatness this week was also present there. So, mm-hmm. like the fact that it was on the road might be a enough of a tiebreaker. Although, obviously, there wasn't students rushing the field uh, for the Huskies after that one, so yeah. the jubilation was a little different. I think I would say like this one is bigger than that one, but it's the same vibe of like with you know however many minutes left in the game. I was like, oh, we're we almost did it, but it's over. Yeah, right. I, I had the exact same feeling. I, I Exactly that feeling both times where I was, mm-hmm. I had completely lost hope. And that's yeah, Maybe that's the wrong way to say it. I, I did not, ex- I thought the game was over both times. Um, particularly, yeah. you know, when it, they had it on whatever, whatever it was, third and short. And then mm-hmm. we had stuffed them two times. I think I was even more given up last year. I, I thought it was even less likely to come back for a longer stretch of time. I, I think with last year, after the after Penix threw that interception, which I think there was like mm, like ten minutes left, eight minutes left in the in the game at that point. Like yeah. last year, because we hadn't seen any sort of like that kind of comeback yet. Uh, that last year, I was like, oh, it's like over. Versus this year, on I think third day, I think it was third down with. Uh, or maybe second down with two minutes and 11 seconds left. I was like, it's probably over. Cause like it, I was that feeling where you start to make your help, like allow yourself to believe like the thing that needs to happen for you to come for your team to come back or whatever, in this case, like giving Penix one last chance, like that, that's not gonna, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> and so yeah. I very clearly, I have a very clear memory of seeing him on the, on the bench on the sideline and being like, uh, I don't think, I don't I think he might not get it. Like I don't think he he'll have oh, a shot. Yeah. I, I did not expect them to get it back uh towards the end of this game. Especially I mean, informed by the way, Oregon ran the ball 
through the whole game. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they had such an easy time getting yardage on the ground. Um, particularly Bucky Irving, he just kind of ran all over us. I remember coming into the game, Irving and James, they said they're both averaging over eight yards a carry. And I was like, well, that's insane. <laughs> and they didn't do it in this game, but mainly because they didn't break any huge carries that kind of tilted the average, but they did both average upwards of six yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Um, and and kind of controlled the game when they wanted to. Uh, and it, the difference really came down to the three fourth downs that Oregon didn't convert two of them in the red zone. Uh, one of them, obviously, to try to salt the game away uh, with almost no time on the clock. What was your uh, opinion kind of at the time and then looking back on Lanning's decision to go for it on all three of those fourth downs? Um, I think the first... The first going forward on the first fourth down, which is that was the end of the first one was the end yeah, of the very end of the half. first half. I think three that, seconds left. On that the one, I think, was the most like, oh, what are you doing? But at the same time, yeah. as a UW fan, I was like, it, it, was it you? Was it you who came up with the metric of like, you should go for it, ba- go for it or not based on how the other team feels I, about I it? I have said that before. And that is how I was evaluating yeah. these as they happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I did have that thought of like, oh, fuck. But 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 at the same time, really what I thought was like, oh, you guys should take the points, though. Yeah. Um, the second one has kind of the second fourth down has kind of faded in my brain into because it was so overshadowed by the first and the last. The last one, I think Lanning actually is getting too much criticism. Was it fourth and three? Yeah, fourth and three. It was kind of a long three. I, I think it was a yeah. fair bit longer than the other two. But yeah, yeah, I Oh, sorry. Go on. I, I I know. I think I know where you're going. And I go ahead. I I agree with you. Where what you were starting to say. I think. So I think it's. I think that's a scenario where, like, circumstantially for me, I think either of those, either punting it or going for it, I don't think there was a wrong decision, um, because it's both of those. I think are quite defensible, regardless of which one he chose, and it's just a matter of the hindsight of if you punt and they drive down the field well, then why didn't you go for it and ice it? And then vice versa. I do, I think the one thing that I think makes sense from his point of view to go for it is, um, I mean, on the, on the punting aspect, if they had punted, yes, Oregon's defense had, especially defensive line, had done better against UW and Penix specifically than, and the interior offensive line than we have seen pretty much all of the all year <clears throat> so the, i mean on one hand that does give you a bit of optimism if you're an organ if you're on team Oregon, but um on the other hand it's still you still i get like you want to keep the ball out of his hands and then at least if you do go for it and miss like they did you can say well okay if they're going to score a touch if they're going to score seven it's probably you don't want them to also because there's i think one minute and 36 seconds on the clock if you get it down to the 20 or whatever and they're rolling like guess what now you have the ball back and there's probably 10 seconds on the clock versus at least this way if you're thinking thinking of it from oregon's perspective or landing's perspective you're probably gonna get it with how bucky irving had been running through us um and if you don't, at least your defense has played pretty good. And if they can't hold him to three, or I mean, I guess it would be zero because it's either all or nothing kind of. Yeah. Um, 
if you can't hold them, at least then you're going to have the amount of time that they had left on the clock to score. And they, you know, <laughs> and they were about a three millimeter target on the ball away during that kick from tying it up and going to overtime. So like, I think keeping in the the mental calculus of everything that goes into it. I think that landing going for it on the final fourth down going for it. I don't think that's that bad of a decision at, you know, without the benefit of hindsight. I was more scared on that play to bring it back to what you were saying about the opposing (laughs) fans emotional response in the situation. And the other two, I was thinking like, Oh, we might hold them to zero points here. You know, like I was kind of yeah. excited that they were going for it. Exactly, exactly. Like it was a guaranteed three, as opposed to oh, we're going to get the ball back. And I was, I, I was irrationally concerned about that middle eight. Like they get the ball coming out of halftime. Kirk Herbstreet incorrectly said that UW gets the ball after halftime, and I was like, no. And that yeah. is why I'm scared of this. This yeah, is why exactly. I want them to go for it here. Um, it, but at the end of the game. Like it, we're dealing in absolutes. Like if they convert it, the game is over, over. Yeah. Like the only thing that would, they they'd need a bring back Mario Cristobal to fumble it on, uh, on the yeah. running the clock out Miami play Oof. from a couple weeks ago um, to, to not give the ball back. And I think the other part of the calculus that you mentioned was the offense in the second half had not been nearly as effective. They had seven yeah. points in the second half. They were, they were, stopped on the goal line but other than that they're coming off two three and outs Penix was hobbling because of the cramps um and it it did not feel like a 70 yard 80 yard drive even a 50 yard drive was a sure thing Mm -hmm. um but I, I I did when we did get the ball back I was thinking okay this is manageable we have like 48 yards to go this is possible and you know the fact that um they scored in two plays makes it feel like it was inevitable that it was going to be a touchdown, but I didn't have that feeling when Oregon had the ball. Like I, when I was imagining Washington getting the ball back, I was not thinking like, well, sure. We got plenty of time. We're definitely going to score because Same, yeah. the, you know, we're kind of working with a skeleton crew at receiver. Um, Penix is banged up. The offensive line was kind of getting trucked. Uh, and it was, it was kind of scary. Uh, how about on the other side of it? What were you thinking? There were a couple of interesting play calls, in short yardage situations for Washington as well. Um, there was the, obviously the goal line stand for Oregon that I just referenced, but also uh, the fourth down pass to Westover, which mm-hmm. was nearly catastrophic, but everything went absolutely wrong. And then Westover made that wild <laughs> diving, you know, three foot catch. Yeah. Reverse <laughs> momentum. The, the craziest uh, three foot gain of the season. Um Either on that play or the um, goal line uh, inability to score, um, where uh, Ryan Grubb said he wanted to call a sneak but didn't believe that Penix could physically get it through the defensive line. What were your your feelings about the that those two series? Yeah. Um, well, one, for one, uh, I saw some Oregon fans on twitter taking taking a single frame of the jack westover catch which it was it was so clearly a catch yeah (laughs) and but um and because you know he has it and the ball is touching the ground as it does um but like fully within his control them taking that single frame and being like it wasn't a catch as if also as if that play had anything 
any bearing on the final score, which it didn't. That nothing yeah. happened with that drive. Um, but um, as for the goal line, uh, I just I, I a, a few things. One, um, yeah, I know I'm not alone in this. Um, I need to put this on my family crest. Uh, the quote, I what I'm saying isn't profound, but there's definitely something about being at the negative one yard line and running it out of shotgun <laughs> multiple times um which i get that like it's i i get that it's it, you know taking um snaps under center is something where like if you don't do it if if you do it very rarely that yeah it's not just like some ingrained thing and there's some level of risk there but just the how the how that changes that Di- the, that whole dynamic and the angle how that mostly how that changes the angles like people like to talk about the acceleration and that's true too but but i i i feel like you know e- equally part of that is, is the the geo- just the geometry of it um uh, yeah i've <laughs> i felt like a lot of that was just kind of the worst of both worlds and as far as you know usually i'm i feel like either keep going for it through um you know under center uh or wildcat or whatever or try to change it up with some kind of bootlegs or 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 pass passing you know uh deception um versus like hey we're gonna take the worst angle out of shotgun so that you have to go the longest amount but you're still not creating any space for you for yourself we're not creating any space for you know johnson or whoever the running back is at the time and and to do that over and over i'm like okay well now we're just losing one yard at a time because we're creating a really um hostile geometric reality to get one to get one yard ahead initially um and then once you lose one yard and then one yard and now you're like, okay, well now we have to go three yards and we're going to run it out of shotgun uh, or, you know, whatever the exact yardage was. And it's just, it feels very counterproductive. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of had the same feeling, it, but it's, it's very hard for me to second guess based on the health situation. I, I, it, yes. It's, I get the idea that if you bring Dylan Morris in for one snap, you could try a quarterback sneak, but then you're obviously telegraphing that it's going to be a quarterback oh, totally. sneak yeah. if you're bringing him in. So are you, do you still have any advantage? And then that fourth down play with Tybo Rogers, I, I thought uh, Max in his, what we learned piece uh, this week, summarized this perfectly that you saw the guard and tackle from the right side, both pulling to the left and Rogers running to the right. So either the guards, both the offensive linemen got the wrong play or Rodgers ran the wrong play or misread the play, or Ryan Grubb called a play on a, probably the most important snap of the season to that point that relied on the defenders falling for just like running toward the pulling lineman instead of pursuing the ball, which seems unlikely. Uh, in, at the time, I thought it was probably Rodgers misreading the play. And it looked like, uh, you know, Penix was trying to he, he had a read option on the play. He obviously wasn't going to keep it, so it wasn't really a read option. Mm-hmm. But the the left side linemen were pulling, or right side linemen were pulling, and there were two 
defenders crashing down on that side. So Rodgers had nowhere to go unless he went to the left. Um, and it looked like Penix may have been a little confused um, when Rodgers ran to the right and maybe he was supposed to go to the left. So maybe this is all, uh, you know, we're talking about strategy when it really was a tactical um, gaffe of sorts. Uh, luckily, we don't have to relive this ad infinitum because we ended up winning the game. But it was a weird, it was a very weird play. Yeah, it's definitely something where if we had lost, that would have, would haunt me until I die. It. I also, uh, I should like, full disclosure, I haven't rewatched the game because it, it like, it took me f- maybe more than 24 hours for my, like, adrenaline levels to chill oh, out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, but I yes. have a very vivid, like, just the replays that they were playing of that during the game. Um, I, I think that's interesting. I think what you said, everything you bring out about the pulling guards is, fairer than my assumption because in the moment my assumption was just that they were pulling them to seal off the back end and that they just you know the defense just blasted through and read it pretty well but I think you guys are probably right um yeah I don't know yeah well speaking of the defense kind of blasting through that was the next thing I wanted to talk about anyway not particularly on that play but through the game that Oregon's defense lived up to its reputation of being significantly improved from last year the final result doesn't show a huge difference. We scored one point fewer than we did at Autzen last year. But And also, for the game, the Huskies had one sack, four tackles for loss, three passes defended. Oregon had one sack, four tackles for loss, three passes defended. It didn't feel that way. Uh, it, it felt like, particularly, uh, Brandon Dorless was in the backfield a lot, and they were getting more pressure on Penix than anybody had this year. I think he ended up uh, throwing 14 passes under pressure or, or 12 passes under pressure and threw two away or something like that. And that's not like really the, the engine of the offense has been the amount of time he's had to survey the field and let receivers get open running complex routes and beating defensive backs. And that time wasn't there this week. Um, it maybe we may not see that again this year. Um, I was impressed with Oregon's defense. I know part of this was Penix being, um, cramping up in the second half what was your your takeaway watching their defense and and how it was different than other um, defenses the Huskies have played this year yeah um definitely similar in in as far as um, especially I feel like the middle you know the middle 30 of the game or so that um or I suppose more second half oh I have to sneeze uh okay um that yeah there there was definitely uh uh especially on some crucial third downs my memory serves um even even though they didn't get him get sacks or whatever or other than the one that that there was that especially from the interior of the offensive line um a lot of i mean kind of what i was expecting on some level which was that that he is going to have moments where he's not able to you know have the the space to the, the 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 um to set his feet and 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 move into you know uh, <laughs> climb up the pocket or whatever um as well as the time to for his receivers to get open like there was a couple on i believe it was looked like Penix. my memory is um that he was expecting an out route or like a curl out curl and and there just simply wasn't the time for odunze or whoever yeah. it was to to get back and that was on a third and i want to say like six or something um and oh shoot i had another thought and then it ran away 
I, I, I do think that, like, obviously, like, no kidding, he operates better with when the offensive line is doing really great and giving him a lot of time. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, I would still rather have you <laughs> Oh yeah. When when yeah. the defensive line is is bringing that pressure, than anybody else really. Um, particularly because you look at all those you know um those incomplete throws um that that were because of pressure from the interior, and like any other most other quarterbacks, I think in that scenario in those in this game would be sacked kind of a lot. <laughs> I would say like three or four times. Yeah. yeah. Um, if not more. Um, probably would have thrown a few interceptions. Like the 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 um for as much as he looked like a l- somewhat neutralized, you know. I mean, for as much as like uh, I, I massive caveat or an asterisk by neutralized because he played out of his mind <laughs> and was an absolute yeah. monster but you know neutralized relative to what, to what he's done most yeah, of the year relative yeah. to what we're used to him i'll say neutralized quote unquote um so as much as he looked neutralized uh that's still mo- <laughs> most most college quarterbacks look way worse than neutralized in in those scenarios they just that no one else would be able to score no no other team uh with that sort of interior pressure would be able to score what 39 points. Like that's just, yeah, that's yeah. silly. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. I was very impressed that he kind of like made the plays he needed to, especially down the stretch. Um, when think when everybody was getting so worn down, players around him were getting hurt. Jeremy Bernard was out. Jalen McMillan was out. He's banged up. Very impressive game by mm-hmm. Penix. Um, and Romo Dunze. I mean, yeah. Dunze and Polk were, incredible and um, jackson shout out and jackson too i mean he didn't Good have the same it. like numbers at the end of the game but the the plays he did make were super high impact yeah um so yeah i think those three were pretty much the whole receiving core i think there were 12 yards of receiving that were not by those three um which is kind of scary to think about but uh really really impressive game against a much more difficult defense than we've seen so far and and probably that we will see most of the rest of the year i know oregon state's still very good um utah is going to be super tough defensively but neither of those teams have kind of the combination of uh explosive offense to go with that defense yeah the same way on the other side i do have a do you do you know what the state Oregon state scares me a little bit more than Utah to be honest, especially because Utah's without Cam rising has just kind of been, yeah. you know, had, One, had their one-sided. issues. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you have off the top of your heads, heads, head, um, the, the, um, stats for, for Oregon state's like yards per play or possessions per game by any chance? Oh, in it, terms it, of their pace. Yeah. Don't look um, it up if you don't, ha- if you don't. Or I mean, you can't. I, I'm not your I mom. have the efficiency stats in front of me, but not the the other mm. the the pace stats. But they have been as kind of as usual, much more if like if expected points in their run game than the pass game. Um, yeah. Which, uh, I know. I when I have looked at this earlier in the year, like DJU has helped with their mm-hmm. big plays, but his success rate in kind of short and intermediate passing plays has not been particularly good yeah they're more middle of the pack in their ability to march down the field through the passing game so it's it's a lot of damian martinez um 
running the ball and and DJU running the ball and then throwing deep uh, yeah. has kind of been what has worked for them. Yeah, because my, my intuition is that of, uh, you know, the remaining um, of the of the remaining schedule, like obviously USC will be a shootout. But my intuition is that um, is that Oregon State is kind of sneakily could if is a is a sneaky upset pick like you know just because of because of of that you know i'm not like well yeah for it, but... we could we'll obviously talk about this as the year goes on but like the fact that they could have beaten us each of the last two years and we won on on very fortunate breaks in the game and Wait, in some cases 2021 they beat us Oh, Didn't maybe they? I'm thinking. Of, what was the the, the wasn't the, the, that the the fourth down play in the red zone that was called incorrectly? Oh, they, like they, or maybe that was 2020. Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't. That Jimmy Lake, it just all it blurs into one. Let's move on. Yeah, right. Yes, let's move on. Um, the the last thing I wanted to talk about in in the Husky game, just kind of uh, talk through all of the terrifying things. I wanted to you just give a couple other uh, positive notes. On you know we mentioned um, Odunze and Polk, Giles Jackson all making huge plays. Dylan Johnson with the best rushing game of his career. We coach and I talked last week about if there is a time when we really have to lean on the run game, is Dylan Johnson capable of being the lead back in the game like that? This wasn't that game, but the fact that he had 20 carries for 100 yards is more positive evidence to suggest that he does have lead running back upside. Um, and then I, I thought the defense overall had a tough game uh, against a really good offense. That was when I thought the game was over. I was just kind of thinking like, yeah, we we lost this game in the trenches. Their defensive line gave Penix all kinds of problems. And their offensive line just destroyed our interior defensive line for being able to run the ball. But both Ulafosho and Tupitala did what they could. Um, both made some some positive plays. Uh, cleaned up well uh, when they had the opportunities. So I, I I wanted to at least highlight that there were some positives on the defensive side as well, in yeah. addition to getting off the field when it was absolutely necessary. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think I did notice there were a handful of of plays that weren't in the moment necessarily like explosive, but also were kind of critical junctures that where in which like if you're really you know, if you'd have took the next step, like it would be a scenario to step on the other team's throat. Um, the in there are in a few of those scenarios that Eddie and and Alf both had some instances of not taking super great angles, <laughs> and so that turning like uh a, what should be a two run two excuse me a two yard run into a nine yard run or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although you know, part of that is Bucky Irving is like extra jacked miles gaskin so god that know, one play where he it. he was running to the right and i think two battles one of their two i think dom hampton was the other mm. and he just did a like hard plant on his right foot and cut back to his left and it's like i'd like to be angry at the defenders but there's nothing they could have done here yeah just yeah too good of a play totally like reggie yeah. bush cut yeah 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 um uh shoot what oh as for the the running back stuff um yeah i think i have a lot i i i have quite a bit of faith in dylan johnson as as the running back the thing i want to see more is in, in when there's more open field scenarios of of more um you know 
a just more mauling and like lower yeah. you know getting better yeah. leverage of your the offensive line again particularly the interior um and utilizing uh you know that their athleticism and and kind of getting them you know just getting them to pull um uh and but it like it, it's something where if the if the offensive like most of the a I, I think Dylan Johnson has done better under circumstances blocking wise that haven't always been as you know ideal. Um, I think he's done better than what I would expect from most running backs. Um, and I think that if if he gets even you know a little bit of of space, that I I think he could actually be like quite complimentary and and really and a really dangerous addition to this to the to the dynamism of this offense um so as far as you know um when when cam went down that really sucked and i i hope next year he's he's healthy and and these two can um can share that but uh yeah i think he's been a really pleasant surprise in my estimation yeah uh, I'm with you on all of those uh, pieces. Let's take our break now. We're going to talk a little bit about what's to come, including Arizona State, so stick around. Thanks for sticking with us. It's amazing to think that we're now only a few days away from another football game. feel like we need more time to recover from the emotional high of the Oregon game, and hopefully Kalen DeBoer and the coaching staff have rectified that with the rest of the roster because I don't want – them to be on the same emotional high that we as fans are as they go into a game with Arizona State, which is always difficult. No matter what, Arizona State is a tough team to play. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird that it feels like we're cursed against Arizona State, Arizona, Cal, Stanford to some extent, and then pretty much the rest of the games are all rivalry games. Uh, the one team that like things tend to break well for us against is Utah. This is like we're reverse cursed against Utah's cursed against us. Um, but yeah, we're now in a position where the Huskies have not just legit Pac-12 championship college football playoff chances, but kind of an inside track on both of those things, which is just wild to think about from where we were 18 months ago. Uh, but it's also going to make every week super tense. We talked a little earlier about Oregon State is scary. USC is very good. Uh, although, you know, last week made me a little bit less scared of them as they got boat raced by Notre Dame, who I didn't think was very good. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could do a lot of weird transitive property math with USC getting trucked by uh, Notre Dame, who had just lost to Louisville, who has not the best resume. And, but and then even Wazoo has been, you know, again, coming off of a bad performance last week against Arizona, but Wazoo also scary at times. So every week is going to be super tense the rest of the year. Arizona State and Stanford, the next two up. And guess what? I'm very scared about both of them because the season kind of rests on both of these games. We lost Arizona state last year, uh, due in part to, uh, Trenton Bourget coming in, uh, for, uh, Emory Jones who got hurt last year and playing much better. Bourget has had three consecutive 300 plus yard passing games. Uh, not super surprising that Kenny Dillingham could get a result out of a quarterback. He's a very good offensive coordinator, now head coach, but Arizona State is also one in five. They've lost their last five games, uh, lost to Colorado, Cal uh, by a field goal, got blown up by USC and Fresno. They are by uh, expected points added the 
116th ranked team in the country, which is not good. 130th ranked offense in the country. Gaby, do you have any uh, thoughts about Arizona State specifically going into this game or the matchup with UW? So, I I hate this because last year I uh, didn't I I was going into ASU. I'm like, yeah, we're good. Yeah. And then uh, then the narrator was like, no, we're not. And that was a team that won three they games. Yeah. And so none of it make none of that made sense. I mean, yeah, it made more sense than it would this year because our our defense, our secondary was ass. But um, I mean, I didn't I didn't realize how close they were uh, spread wise to being a completely defeated team this year. I didn't realize they beat Southern Utah only by three points. Yeah. Yeah. But like, of course, then that would, of co- of course, that would make it harder for us because why? Because it's ASU, and yeah, sure. Granted, the ASU curse is traditionally only applied in the state of Arizona, but uh, like logically, everything about this screams boat race. But that's not how college football works, and that's not how fan brain works. And guess what, baby? I have the latter, and this is the former. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be I, I, I just kind of trying to get into what their strengths and weaknesses are. I mentioned that statistically their offense has been very poor uh, in spite of Bourget, you know, actually throwing for some yards. It's It's been on a lot of attempts. They've been throwing a lot lately and he has one touchdown for the year. Is it question? Is it is I have watched very little ASU this year because I have watched very. Yeah. Anyways. Uh. Is it pronounced Bourget or is it just you've been living in Luxembourg for too long? <laughs> I, it... I think the announcers typically say Bourget, uh, which is weird because it's like a half English, half French pronunciation. Like the Engl- anglicized version would be Bourget uh, with a hard G him... and I, the French version would be Bourget where you, uh, you know, use the French G. How so nice I, maybe I'm just... Maybe, and maybe he's just choosing to live with one foot in either world. I don't know. I'm Trenton gonna, I'm is gonna, not a traditional French name, as, I, as far as I know. Mess that. I'm going to swap that and call it Borget. Borget. Um, and there's yeah, nothing anyone can do to stop me. Continue. Um, uh, what were we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, their that, that in spite of the yardage, they have not been very efficient offensively. Yeah. Uh, but they have been a little bit better defensively uh, overall defensive ratings not particularly good but um they have defended the pass a little bit better they get after the quarterback they have one defensive lineman um named prince dorba who has six sacks on the year 18 total sacks for as a team Uh, so we'll see if if the strategy kind of is similar to what we saw last week that there will be a lot of pressure put on Penix. It will obviously matter significantly if that pressure is coming from four-man rush or bringing blitzes that give him an opportunity to find open receivers because he is good at that when, uh, when when they bring a blitz. But I I think you know the, it's hard not to kind of expect to see a team that's struggling offensively. How are they going to keep up with Washington's offense, even if it's not firing on all cylinders? It's going to be hard for Arizona State to score as many points as even a a if Washington isn't at its very best. Yeah. I, I, I mean, lo- like the thing that most, the, the, the mental image that most easily appears in my brain is like a pretty, pretty, f- pretty fast start by Washington, pretty an- anemic 
uh, start by Arizona State. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're at like a four, seven, 14 to three or 17 to three or whatever. And, and it just kind of goes from there. Um, like, realistically, I think that's what's going to happen. But like, it's literally just the thing that's, that's stopping me from being like, we're going to shit can them and there's nothing they can do about it is that I've thought that before. And even though I know that mentally this team is like way, way more on it than 99% of the teams that I have thought that before about before to the, who then blow it. Um, it's still, it's just kind of, you know, uh, 5,000 times bitten, 5,001 times shy. Um, <laughs> Yes. So, but like I, I, I picture it kind of going the way that the Boise State game did, albeit with probably a little bit more difficulty for our offense, at least you know for a bit. Um. Uh. So that's kind of that. That's that's the most accessible thought process or projection that I have in in my mind's eye. Um, yeah, I think, you know, taking the emotion out of it, we're 27 and a half point favorites. SP plus predicts the final score, the 32 point spread, 45 to 13. Um, you know, if we hold them to 13 points or if we score 45, I will feel pretty, pretty good about the game <laughs> if we do both. Um, yeah. yeah, that's obviously a good outcome, um, but we will see. I'm not taking anything for granted. There's too, mu- too much at stake week to week right now. Um, but just to to leave it with this, SP plus Bill Conley has odds of reaching 12 and 0 right now. We're have the fourth best odds. Two of the teams in front of us are Liberty and Air Force who don't play anyone like Air Force doesn't play anyone. They think the best, I think they're probably going to end the season without a win over a team with a winning record um, (laughs) full stop, even if they're 12 and 0. Um, And the only like real team ahead of us is Oklahoma and Washington has a 24% chance of going 12 and 0 with definitely the toughest schedule of any team with that threshold or higher. Um, let's wrap it up there. We'll, we'll set the nerves to one side uh, and give any recommendations or plug. Gaby, what do you have coming up? I know you've been busy, lots of shows lately. Um, what else do you have on the horizon? Yeah. Um, it's. Can I just say, I feel like I've been very boring today. I don't know. I'm like, this was such a huge win. I, I felt like my brain was going to explode. And then I'm just, <laughs> part of it is I just don't like listening to, myself speak um i don't yeah you've chosen an interesting career path um <laughs> that's and, different and hobbies <laughs> that's different um yeah. uh i don't understand why people will start podcasts i wouldn't be here except for the fact that vox asked us to do it and then i was like no and then max was like please and i'm like fine and then they stop giving us twenty dollars a month and now i'm still here even though i try to wriggle my way out of every recording i don't understand no no more podcasts including us let's stop um except for you i I would listen to you i won't listen to me um i could do the jim rome style podcast of just talking for an hour uh at repeating myself a lot with lots of long awkward pauses with music playing in the background there we go Uh, or coach could come on yeah, that would be more fun. Um, okay, qu- uh, to answer your question, yes. Um, uh, I we just had our um the first of the hat tricks, um, comedy show at the Angry Beaver, whom I love. Um, last night that'll be two nights ago when this airs. Um, which was really great and super fun, and actually had um a friend of mine who I started with in Vancouver. It was just going to be four, 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 four of my Seattle people on the show. And then a friend of mine who was in town, who's from Vancouver, and we started stand up within like a month of each other. Um, 
she dropped it and did a little set too and her name's casey novak and she's amazing and you should follow her on twitter and instagram um so that there'll be another one of those on monday october 23rd and then friday november 3rd um which might seem weird to have them on different days of the week uh but because the the angry beaver is first and foremost a hockey bar and so the way that this is working is when there's only games on the east coast so those are out by seven and we're like let's do a show (laughs) um because what else are you gonna do um and also if we ran shows not on canadian uh stand-up comedy comes in yeah (laughs) yeah exactly uh no casey's actually from ohio but uh she moved to canada right around now but i digress um uh what was i gonna say oh um yeah so if we did it during hockey time then um they would kill me the patrons would kill me and i would deserve it um but so that is that um to, you can get two tickets for ten dollars which is a terrible business decision by us slash me but um really what it was is i just wanted to make it so that like people can come back easily and come because my favorite shows in the world are ones that have like a a lot of the same people coming week after week or month after month Mm. um because they're really good and not crazy expensive um that's what jokes please was like in vancouver and it's my shit um so that that's there you can get tickets there's a ticket link on their facebook on their instagram on my instagram my twitter um and then also at the crocodile on october 25th at here hereafter which is their room uh below um uh, me and Timmy Booth, uh, who was a runner-up in the Seattle International Comedy Competition with Casey, um, are producing uh, Wackernims, which is maybe the stupidest thing I've ever come up with in my life. And it's just a very dumb... It's the first of what will hopefully be many uh, panel shows that we do there that is really dumb. It's just a vehicle for chaos. Yeah, it probably won't... <laughs> There will probably be something that goes wrong, but who gives a shit? Uh, <laughs> uh, and people should come to that so that the crocodile will let us keep doing it. <laughs> the Great. End. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool venues too. Um, yeah, it's cool. I, I am kind of in between um, things to recommend. Uh, I always struggle when I, I finish a book and I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'd recommend that one. Um, <laughs> what else is um uh, but I, I'm I'm hoping to see the new Martin Scorsese movie, Killers of the Flower oh, yeah. Moon, later this week. So maybe next oh. week I'll be able to talk about that. But uh, we'll we'll see until until then. But uh, yeah, you got plenty of things to go see um, with these Angry Beaver and Crocodile shows. Um, so let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening. It's been fun to just read all of the content, Husky specific, and even National College Football media jumping on the bandwagon this week uh so it's wanted to to get in on the action and also talk about the huskies on a very fun week maybe next week you know that positive momentum will carry cody pickett onto the show we're always getting closer in the meantime thanks for listening and go dogs what